Good morning, everyone. Those of you who uh, still have your eyes open may have noticed something that is a cause for concern because I'm standing up here. And you might think, uh-oh, something's up. He's going to try to get us to stand up. I'm not going to stand up. He can't make me stand up. There's no way. So, yes, I'm going to invite those of you who wish to, in a moment, to stand up. (laughs) But um, doing so is completely optional, and there are a few rules. The first rule is that if you have any feeling of being uh, off balance or unsteady or uncomfortable, you should sit down immediately. Uh, If you at any point feel like you want to or need to sit down, you do so. So there's no length of time for this or uh, any pressure in any way. So if you agree to those rules and still feel inclined, those of you who would like to, totally optional, may stand up. And you, if you have a, a, a zabutan, you can make a choice whether to stand on that or perhaps in front of or behind it. Some people find the soft uh, softness of the zabutan is a good thing, and some people find that it makes them less steady on, on, on feet. So um, check that out and decide for yourself. And we'll start with uh, just checking into the posture a bit. So place your feet somewhere between hip and shoulder width apart and more or less with the feet uh, more or less pointing forward or maybe slightly out, but a a posture that feels really comfortable and stable given that we're standing on two things, which you'd never design a chair that way. You'd at least have three. It's, so it's inherently unstable to stand on two things. Um, so there are, if you pay attention, there's constant adjustments being made to allow you to stand on two legs. <laughs> A third one would be really stable tripods. But this is what we get. So somewhere between hip and shoulder width apart. And we'll start with a bit of a scan. Uh, Before we do, relax your knees a little bit. Take a moment and kind of grip gently, grip your thighs and sort of lock your knees very gently. And now relax that and give us a very slight bend to the knees so that they feel open and easy. And now let the weight move just a little bit onto your right foot. You don't have to take all the weight over there, just a little bit. So you feel the lightness on the left side, heaviness on the right. And then gently through the middle and put the weight a little bit on the other foot. So you feel that difference. And now in your own time and and speed, move back and forth, making it smaller and smaller until it feels like the weight is is as even as you can tell on both feet. 
So coming back to the middle, uh, going back and forth that way so that it feels like, oh, okay, feels about even. And you can very gently do the same thing by moving just a little bit towards the balls of the feet and just a little bit towards the heels. But again, being very careful to stay feeling balanced and then smaller and smaller till it feels like the weight is even front to back as well as side to side. So we want the weight to feel like it's distributed through the whole bottom of the foot and rooting down into the earth like uh, tree roots growing down through the bottoms of the feet and anchoring uh, steadily there so the support of the earth can come up through the feet and then up into the body. Now just letting the attention move then from the feet up through the ankles and the lower part of the leg. Check the knees again that they're not locked. And as you move up the legs, releasing the any gripping in the thighs, any holding in the area of the hips or the large muscles around the pelvis, front and back. So you're not using muscles you don't need to stand. And they're engaging uh, in small ways to keep you stable. And just a reminder, or something I maybe forgot to say, it's your choice whether or not to have the eyes open or closed. Some people find that having them closed is uh, fine, and some find it feels less balanced. So if you wish to have them open, which is fine, maybe kind of a soft gaze out in front of you, maybe eight or ten feet, and not really focusing hard on anything. So gentle, soft gaze with the eyes if they're open. And then back up to the area of the hips and moving up, softening the belly, no need to grip the belly. Chest can feel open and easy as you move up through the sternum and across the heart center to the shoulders. And if you'd like to now, you can, as I'm going to do, gently lift the shoulders towards the ears, roll them to the back, and let them fall down, feeling the shoulder blades slide down your back, opening the chest if it tends to be a little closed. The gentle curves of the back are there, the arms just hanging, you can also put them in your pockets or place them in front or behind you if that feels more comfortable or just let them hang there. That's your call. Up through the neck, feeling length in the back of the neck. And it's as though there were a, a string from the crown of the head and you were suspended like a, a puppet or somehow suspended there. And so sometimes if your chin tucks just a little bit, it lengthens the back and relaxes the throat. It might be such a small shift, small movement that no one looking at you would even see it. 
but it allows the throat to be relaxed and the neck relaxed and that whole area open. And you can check and make sure there's no tension in the face or around the eyes or jaw, relaxing the tongue within the mouth. Eyes may be open or closed. And so we're just standing one of the four postures or five because I've added the in-between postures. And feeling the body from within the body. Feeling these subtle movements as the muscles engage and release to keep you standing. Maybe in the legs or other part of the body. Gentle vibrations or pressure in the feet. Warmth or coolness in the hands or other parts of the body. Remembering at any point, if you feel unsteady, you should sit down. At any point, if you feel like, okay, it's enough now, you can sit down. And so we can have the same approach to meditation in this posture. We notice all of the sensations of bodily life, perhaps anchoring in the feeling of the whole body, perhaps using the touch point of the feet on the floor as a gentle anchor or a combination, the whole body standing and the feet touching, perhaps gently moving between those. Could even use a gentle whisper of a word in the mind, standing, standing, feeling the whole body posture, touching, touching of the feet on the floor. The breath breathing itself within the body, maybe a, a point of reference, a gentle anchor, Perhaps sensations at the nostrils or in the chest or abdomen or the back of the throat. The breath enters and leaves. You could even say hello, good morning to the breath. Good morning, breath. Good morning, friend. Our companion in life. There can be the experience of hearing as a point of reference, as a, a gentle anchor, the sound of my voice coming and going, other sounds in the room, soft rustling sounds, 
perhaps sounds that come in from outside. And soft internal sounds that arise. Receiving the experience of hearing, receiving the movement of the breath as it breathes itself, receiving the sensations of the body. Simple, easy. Thoughts may be coming and going. Thoughts about how long you'll stand. Thoughts about the future, memories from the past, images. Fantasies that come. There may be some mood in the mind, perhaps a subtle sort of background mood of interest or a subtle kind of happiness or joy or, or more likely maybe kind of a contentment just to be standing on the earth. Wholesome mind state. Or there might be kind of a, a slightly low or blue mind state, a feeling of sadness or loneliness. Worrying mind. And awareness can know that also. Another thing to be known. So we receive our life into this field of awareness and some things we like and they feel pleasing and pleasant and some things are more difficult and they can feel unpleasant. Maybe there's increasing sense of hardness in the feet at some point, it may start to feel unpleasant. We notice we don't like it. Maybe feeling of warmth. It's pleasant. We like that feeling. We hear sounds. Maybe we hear the crows calling and we like crows and we find it pleasing or else maybe our response in the mind is is that it's harsh and jarring. Wish the crows would go. Why don't they go, go somewhere else, make those noises? And awareness can know this. It can know this feeling of pleasant, feeling of unpleasant. And then there are so many things that are neither pleasant nor unpleasant, just knowing the body, feeling the body standing, 
Maybe it's just kind of neutral. There might be a mind state that's very balanced. There might be strong equanimity in the mind this morning. may feel kind of pleasant, but also have a neutral quality there. Just here, just this. You may decide to stand with the eyes open for a while. Perhaps you see one of the images here in the hall of the Buddha or the Guan Yin. You find it pleasing, beautiful. Or you see someone's place where they sit and there's stuff everywhere and you you wish they'd be tidier. Feeling it's unpleasant. They should they should fold things more nicely. Don't they know it's a, it's a meditation hall, it's supposed to be tidy, and a whole train of thought might emerge. And then awareness is there and meets that at some point. Our good friend, mindfulness, shows up. We see these things for what they are. So we have this relationship with something that can serve us, has been serving us as a gentle anchoring for the attention, a, a point of reference that we can come back to. We have the resolve and determination and affectionate willingness to begin again every time we come back from being lost in thoughts or an inner universe. And we have our good friend awareness, mindful awareness. It just shows us it's like this right now. Anything that arises, we can know it simply just as it is, receiving it all into a field of uh, gentle, kind affection, because this is our life and we want to take care of it. We want to be there for it, even the things that are hard to be with. Remembering it's not better to keep standing. It's fine to sit down. But when you feel like, oh, I think I'm ready to sit down, just stand for another breath or two. Take stock of things. Notice the intention to change the posture, the desire to change it, the impulse about to sit 
and then all of the movements for sitting down so that the thread of the awareness, it's not disturbed by that change. And notice what it's like when you're back in your seat. It's their relief, it's their ease. Is that a pleasant experience? Letting the practice be as simple and easeful as possible. And for those of you who decide to remain standing for a while, every once in a while check and see that some muscles you don't really need to use, that they aren't gripping in some way, especially in the upper part of the legs and around the pelvis, those large muscles, and just invite them to release.
In just a moment, I'll be ringing the bell. And when you hear that sound, it may may feel a pleasant feeling, sense of relief that the sitting's over. Maybe you wish it wasn't ending and kind of not such a pleasant experience, or it's just neutral, no, no feeling one way or the other. And however it may strike you, before you shift your posture or open your eyes, take just a moment, maybe let the sound of the bell drift to silence and see if you can notice and of the sort of a, an impulse to change the posture and then let the mindfulness awareness accompany you through all of the changes as you perhaps sit down or if you're already sitting or lying down as you open your eyes or stretch in some way shift the posture We often think of the standing posture as something we do as kind of a, an antidote to sleepiness or for some other reason. And not that often do we think of it as its own posture, just one to practice sometimes. But you might build it into your day. You could add it in to the walking. Perhaps when you reach the end of your path, you might do some standing for a while. Sometimes I find I'll stand for quite some time then. Or you could just take a period or more than one just for standing meditation here in the hall or outside. Sometimes it's great to do standing outside and and receive sounds. It can be like a symphony, the perfectly timed turkey gobble, the exquisite whirr of the electric cart, like a John Cage composition. 
I remember once I was in uh, Bodh Gaya in India and I was doing standing med- meditation on a retreat at the Thai Vihara and it's never, there's a lot of sounds, <laughs> horns and packs of dogs barking and Tibetan chanting drifting over from the, the Bod- Bodhi tree temple area and it just was like this profound, like the perfect symphony. My experience was like, oh, there the dog chorus coming in just at that right exquisite moment. <laughs> anyway, I recommend standing meditation as one of the five postures. And uh, if you're standing in the hall, sometimes if you're if you have a chair for your your usual sitting place, sometimes you can gently rest your hands on the back of the chair. That that's a possibility too. Uh, just to mention something that some people find useful. So the um, there's this aspect of our experience that's constantly happening that we we don't really notice that much, and I pointed it out uh, a little bit without naming it so much this morning. But it's this flow of uh, experience, aspect of experience that has to do with. Uh, the second establishment of mindfulness, that's mindfulness of what's called Vedana in Pali, which we translate as feeling tone to make it distinct from the word feeling, which is, uh, has different, a lot of different meanings. We, we have our, our emotions, we call them our feelings and sensations that are just, you know, pushing or pulling or pressure, vibration. Those are feelings in the body. But this is, has to do with uh, specifically the pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant, which for shorthand we often call neutral. And this is happening all the time. Every contact at any sense door, it's either pleasant, unpleasant, or neither of those, neutral. And sometimes it's really, really obvious Perhaps it's a cool morning like this and, and you find a place to stand or sit in the sun. And that may feel very pleasant. And it's very clearly pleasant. Or perhaps uh, the wind comes up and the, the feeling of the wind and the coldness and may feel unpleasant. Or maybe there's a food that you like at lunch. Maybe they just happen to prepare one of your favorite meals. Although these lunches, it's hard to not find them pleasant for me. At least they're awfully good. But let's say they're serving beets. Now, I like beets, but I know people who, even just the sight of a beet is pretty bad. And so <laughs> I, 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 I enjoy the sight of them and the taste and texture. Some people would avoid beets at all cost. I, I have some friends, colleagues, who I respect, affection and respect for. Um, but they're very confused about uh, raisins. <laughs> and they, they find raisins to be um, anything to do with them, an unpleasant experience. And... And I've tried to educate them and, and point out their delusion, but they, they just can't seem to hear. And 
But I, on the other hand, especially with one of them, if those raisins happen to be in hot oatmeal or other hot cereal, really bad for them. But I happen to know through um, years of research that to consume oatmeal without raisins is dangerous <laughs> and should not be attempted by anyone. Now I want to point out in my silly example here that the raisins are innocent. There is no pleasantness or unpleasantness in the raisin or else we'd all find them to be the same. Our experience would be the same, isn't it? We tend to think, oh, it's, it's unpleasant or it's pleasant. But if I eat a pound of raisins, at some point I will find that experience unpleasant. And it may put me off them for the next few lifetimes. <laughs> so it's, it's not a fixed thing. And it's not fixed, it's not the same for any one of us, and it's not the same for us at, any, at different times. The same experience may be felt as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. So it's an aspect of experience that the Buddha emphasized he gave it its, its own one thing out of four ways of looking at the world. One of them is this. For a very important reason, because so much of our life is oriented around these feeling tones of pleasant, unpleasant, and neither of these. And we can watch this. And one way, because we might not notice the pleasantness, but what we might notice is the liking and the wanting and the moving towards, or the not liking, and the resistance, or the pulling away, or the pushing away. Or we might notice aversion in the mind. We might notice desire in the mind. We might notice kind of checking out, not knowing what's going on. And so these feelings tend to condition these different responses, pleasant, feelings tend to lead us towards liking, wanting, desiring, moving towards. It's obvious. Why wouldn't it? That's nothing weird about that. <laughs> Unpleasant ones tend to condition the opposite. We don't like it. We have resistance to it. We want to get away from it or we want to push it away. Wanting, not wanting. Neutral ones, we tend not to notice that and it tends to incline the mind to disconnection, maybe to states of kind of boredom or checking out or spacing out. It tends to condition kind of diluted, confused states of mind, disconnected states. And so it's not weird. Pleasant things, of course we like them, we want them. Unpleasant ones, we don't like them and we don't want them. There's, it's not like we're supposed to not feel these things, <laughs> make it stop somehow. We're not here to try to have those things stop. Although we notice sometimes in practice that it shifts. Sometimes the, the range of what we find neutral uh, can expand at times in our practice. But we want to be able to pay attention because we can see how our lives are, and the lives of so many people are, oriented around this movement towards the pleasant, movement away from the unpleasant, 
disconnecting, checking out with what isn't pleasant or unpleasant. And you can see in the range of addictive behaviors how how powerful this can be, the, the desire to either feel a pleasant feeling or not feel an unpleasant one, and how it can drive some people's lives in, in, in really, really destructive ways. So it's an important thing to pay attention to and, and just, just to notice it, not, not with any kind of judgment. And there may be certain times or places where, it's, um, where it presents itself. So you don't want to make it too much of a project. It's not like, okay, it's Vedana day. I got to see nothing but Vedana all day long. But there may be times where it presents itself or you can kind of tune towards it, especially if you find yourself uh, maybe standing in the sun and there's enjoying that. You can notice, oh, the pleasant feeling. And it comes with all experiences, not just physical sensations, but things that arise in the mind, maybe a memory of something that, was, uh, that really hurt um, in the past a painful memory, and there's an unpleasant feeling tone there. Or maybe uh, a fantasy, and it's so, you keep finding, pulling back to it, pulling back to it, you can notice, oh, that's so, it's pleasant. There's a pleasure in that. So have your radar out for it a bit, uh, not just today, but going forward, because it's a powerful place to uh, pay attention. Hmm. I have a couple of announcements and then we'll have time for a question or two. <clears throat> there was a 